Hello and welcome to the very first episode of the Story Chat. I'm not sure what brought you listeners to us today, but I'm glad you're here. Perhaps you're here due to a strange twist of fate, or perhaps perfect timing. Perhaps you can even call this a meet cute, or perhaps not. Either way, that is our topic for today. But before we begin, let us introduce ourselves. You can call me Percival, and I am just finishing up three years of creative writing and English literature and about to do another year of English literature for my master's. So I like to talk about things like feminism and queer theory and all sorts of fun things like that. Hi, you can call me Gareth. Sir Gareth, if you like, we're going for the Knights of the Round Table codenames this time around, making it sound like we often do this. Um, I am also finishing up three years of an undergraduate degree, this time in plain English literature, so I tend to speak about all sorts of things that make me sound like I'm very up myself, but mostly I like to read light fluffy things like romance, fantasies, uh, I'm fond of several webcomics, but what I like most of all is fairy tales. I am also the most likely of the three of us to make dreadful puns which will subsequently be, be cut and left to die on the editing floor. Hello, I'm Kay. I am just about to go into my third year of creative writing. I love talking about craft, how we write, why people write, um, and all things around that. Um, I tend to read all over the place. I read tons of different genres. I read romance, fantasy, sci-fi, um, crime fiction. I love poetry. I'm very all-rounder. So before we get into a nice big group discussion, I'm going to go over some basic things about meet cute. So first things first, what is a meet cute? Well, it's a term that describes the moment when two potential love interests meet for the first time. This term is often used in relation to romantic comedy films, but can also be found in romance novels as well. A meet cute is a form of inciting incident, inciting incident being the moment in the story that changes the status quo and sets the narrative into full swing. There are four main kinds of meet-cutes. There's the pull-pull meet-cute, where both characters are attracted to each other. An example of this is Romeo and Juliet, where both characters um, are attracted to each other at the start, but it's other factors that cause the conflict in the movie. There's the push-push meet-cute, in which the first meeting is one of disagreement. The two love interests are disinterested or outright hate each other. An example of this is the film When Harry Met Sally, in which the two are stuck on a road trip together, despite wildly different worldviews. There's also the push-slash-pull meet-cute, in which one character is smitten and the other is not. An example of this would be The Notebook, in which he is very interested in her, despite the fact she has a boyfriend, and he even has to threaten self-harm to get a date with her. The last of the meet-cute types is the neutral, nervous one, in which one character is very nervous and the other is neutral about the whole situation. An example of this would be a confession of the shop confessions of a shopaholic, in which she is interviewing for a job she's not qualified for and is very nervous about the situation, and he is overall just not very impressed. Each of these meetings will often set the tone for the relationship for the rest of the story. While the meet cute is more ubiquitous and ubiquitous in the film, and many romance novels involve characters who met before the events of the book, it is still a deeply embedded part 
of the structure of a romantic comedy. Now, the origins of this term are actually rather interesting. The idea is often accredited to a 1938 film in which a rich man is at a store wanting to buy pajamas, but only the top half, and a woman says she'll buy the bottoms. Interestingly, this film is from a movie called Bluebeard's Eighth Wife, which is a reference to the fairy tale Bluebeard, which is a tale about when a woman's husband leaves her alone in his chateau. He tells her that she can go in every room but one. Like Pandora and Eve before her, the inherent evil of a woman's curiosity gets the best of her, and she goes into the room and discovers the body of the man's six previous wives which means her husband now must also kill her for failing his test. But she manages to stall for time, and her brother kills Bluebeard and saves her. And yet this movie takes the fairy tale villain and turns him into a romantic hero. And while I'd like to have a discussion about if perhaps something similar has happened to the idea of meet-cute, is this trope a harmless plot device which helps tell a compelling story in a limited time frame of a movie? Or is it a trope which is rooted in heteronormativity and the idea that women's end goal should be a monogamous relationship? After all, how has the idea that an attractive man meeting an attractive woman in a quirky way, despite how they feel, become shorthand that these two characters will inevitably be in a committed relationship by the end of the story? The meet-cute is also positioning a romantic interest as a turning point in a person's life, when their mundane life turns into something cinema-worthy. And so often, these stories are mainly focused on the woman's perspective, and it's her life, often career-focused, and many times with a stable, reliable partner, that gets turned upside down because she met a man in some quirky way. Is that not also telling career women that unpredictable love should be what you put your energy into, not work? And is it telling that telling both men and women in stable relationships that they should be willing to throw it all away if fate presents them with a better option. Does this unrealistic fantasy not help support a capitalist society which wants people to go on dating apps to keep swiping to see if there's something better, that keeps men and women never completely satisfied with one another, thus more likely to buy into products which promise to impress potential partners? Has meat cute become so embedded in popular culture that like the Like Bluebeard, the trope is disguising its villainies with the trappings of romance. Well, that's what I want us to discuss today. But first, I want to hear your folks' perspectives on Meet-Cute. What are some that have stuck out in your minds, positive or negative? Where you talk now. (laughs) Yep. (laughs) That was quite a start. Um, I know. Um, I'm, I'm sorry if it was a bit much. I mean, I've never thought that, uh, you know, a harmless, you know, I've never thought that a, a quirky meat cute could be so harmful, but um, you do kind of have a point there. There's, um, there's that weird balance of you have to have your hero and heroine meet somehow, so it might as well, it might as well be interesting, quirky, and sudden. Because also, if you have a pre-established relationship, you have to make story excuses of why you haven't started any earlier maybe yeah i might need the advice of a uh writer (laughs) on that (laughs) yeah like you have to have some narrative in a movie and like romance movies off like they follow a romance plot line so like it does have to start somewhere you're right so most of well typically most of the books i read tend to have them knowing each other for a while before the story starts 
Yeah, um, I've seen that a lot in books as well. I feel like the meet cute is much more common in films. Yeah. And that makes sense because it's such a, a visual medium. Okay. Movies have gotten a lot longer since I was a child, but they're still not as long as the average book reading experience would be, and you don't get to get as into a character's minds as you can with a book. So yeah. yes, that makes that makes sense of kind of of course it's very filmatic. Um, yeah. Also, it's quite interesting to hear you talk about how it could when you said around the patriarchy and people being thinking that women have to be a certain role and get married and stuff like that and is that where the meet cute is coming from where this attractive generally like especially movies this like typically attractive person is suddenly meeting another typically attractive person and then they get in a relationship and quite often it's perceived that the female often has to give up something in their life (laughs) Because I know in a lot of movies I watch, like sometimes the woman gives up their career or they realise they can't have it all or something like that. And that tends to come along with a meet cute, or at least in. Yeah, like there's definitely this thing in films where you have like, you know, this high powered career woman who's, you know, really focused on her career. And then she meets a man who's like, shouldn't you just learn to enjoy life? And she's like, yeah, why have I been focused on career when there's like this man who's telling me that I should like enjoy things more that never occurred to me before and yet the man still gets a career yeah <laughs> of course because men you know they they get the careers and one can't but help but wonder if this is part of you know an easy way to create dramatic tension because you had the meat cute what else do you do with your uh nascent couple but uh force them to go through the will you won't you for the better half of the movie and so having other priorities than the love interest is natural. But yes, when you have wave home wave of film doing the whole career versus cute boyfriend in hometown, um, I'm especially thinking Hallmark, Hallmark. movies about yeah. this. Um, yeah, it does add up to uh, a bigger picture, a wave, a... Um, yes. You know, when it happens a lot, you can't help but think yes, actually, that is a narrative and it does seem to be pushed. How much of this is just the individual choice of uh, how to how to make dramatic tension and how much is it saying something about our society and what we expect people to give up for a romantic relationship? Um, I really liked your uh, point towards capitalism and how it kind of, it is a capitalistic romance. I think I missed that. What were we saying about capitalism? It was quick, but it was good. Could you go over that part again? Yeah, well, I was just kind of thinking that, like, the meet cute, it's very unrealistic that we actually see it, like, today. Like, in our society, a lot of people meet online, or they meet in much less kind of remarkable ways. And I I was just wondering if this, you know, um, the fact that movies so often... And even books push this really, like, magical meeting. If that should be, like, if it's trying to cause a bit of, you know, unrest in a person thinking that, you know, there there could be this better meeting, this better person, this more, like, cinematic thing. And I feel like some of that dis, distent, dis, distent, 
Is that the word I'm looking for? But, but dissent? Dissent? No, that's disdain? not right. Disdain? Disdain, yeah, I think. Or this kind of like unease with how life is, is often capitalism pushes a fix for that. That like, you know, buy her jewelry and keep her happy or, you know, you know, buy all this makeup products so that, you know, your partner, your like male partner doesn't wander off to some other better relationship. And also, like, there's been some studies about, like, dating apps and how they're very much designed to keep you swiping and keep them on their app because, you know, they don't want you to actually find someone and stop using their product because that's not effective to them. So it's designed and it triggers, like, a reward response, this, like, just swiping. Yes, actually, to the point that I'm pretty sure I've seen an advertisement for a particular dating app, which... uh, whose unique selling point is we want you to delete us you want we want you to find love and not need our app anymore how honest that actually is i don't know because i have not looked into it i think that's hitch hinge isn't it hinge hinge yeah. well it's I've certainly seen on youtube it certainly says a lot about other dating apps that another dating app is unironically going the unique thing about us is that we want to be deleted yeah but like yeah dating apps are very hard you just get like like it's hard to keep in contact with people and like talk to them i say from my brief experience on a dating app um yeah dating apps also tend to crash a lot and um so you'll be talking to someone and then they're like no you're not talking to this person anymore (laughs) it's true everything (laughs) I also think it's really interesting that we've segued on to dating apps because, in a way, the dating app is pretty much the antithesis of the meet cute. But on the other hand, it's all we've responsibly got this last year, so. (laughs) (laughs) Yes, actually, another point after. I don't know if we want to get topical, we might cut this out later, but, you know, after after a life of quarantine, is the meet cute in real life going to have a resurgence because people will put more emphasis on how remembering how they met people or is it going to just die completely are we facing the end of the meat cute in the wild actually well, i take that back it's not going to die out people are not going to never <laughs> see each other again that was too dramatic <laughs> i got so invested in telling the story i came up with something that sounded like we were all digital now <laughs> i was going to say wait yeah, I think that's a bit dramatic. That's the fact that I also feel like a lot of people don't think they have a meet cute in real life because it is so corny within the movies and it's so sort of something you would probably never have because it's so ridiculous sometimes. Yeah. <laughs> but no, like, it's not a very realistic trope and yet it's still a trope that's it's very popular and I will admit I do actually quite like a meet cute they're very but like they're sweet sometimes you know yeah they are sweet they also uh, meet cutes and sort of those sorts of books do make quite nice easy reads and I'm not saying that in a bad way I'm saying it when you want a good feel good book you generally go to something that does have a meet you where you're like, oh, they're going to meet each other. And you know, they're going to fall in love and you know, they're going to probably have a happily ever after marriage. Happy ever yeah. after. And you're like, oh, yeah. yeah. And I'm not just, I know we're talking a lot about straight romances, 
But I think there are a few within queer books. I think it's less likely. I don't know, but I can't think of any queer books I've read that have like a meet cute. I think she read a book called What If It's Us, or What If by um the woman who does Love Simon. Becky Elbertree. Yeah, I started reading it. I did stop reading that book, but it's not because I didn't like it. It's just because I got distracted. (laughs) Well, um, I do know a queer meet cute in uh, Leaf and Thorn where character A is a gardener at an embassy and character B is a new guard at an embassy and uh, it involves tree trimming and basically a, 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 a stick falls on someone's head and then, you know, they look up and there's a, are you all right? But it's kind of also the Juliet Romeo balcony moment. And I thought that was an excellent. Oh, that's nice. Nothing that else has been simple since. But the communication is great. I was just thinking, um, would like Love, Simon count as a mute cute? Because although, spoiler alert, although when we find out it's Bram, they have known each other their entire lives. They meet through the internet and they meet in a very unique way. True. So would that count? And also, if it does, that is quite a unique and charming way of doing it that has brought the internet and the new world in creating this very lovely meeting moment. Although, yes, they've known each other for years and years and years, but then suddenly they know each other in a different light. And probably more so than anyone else knows them as they know something about each other that they are both keeping hidden. I think that's a good example. Also, the fact that, because like, the post that brings them together is specifically about being queer. And I think that's part of the issue of like queer meet-cutes, is that when you meet, you don't always know if, like, if it's supposed to be romantic or not, because usually you don't walk around with a big, like, I'm gay sticker and just hope to randomly run into someone else wearing a similar one. Like, you just... It's not as likely that an interaction with a random person could be a romantic one, I feel like. And I think that's why there is less queer meet-cutes. It's a compelling point, and the the queer meet-cute in Leaf and Thorn, which I jumped to, is set in a fantasy setting where, um, obviously, you're not going to know exactly what someone's orientation is by looking at them, but it's fairly accepted for people to love whoever they want, so it's not it's no longer such a thing of having to hide your attraction, I guess. What book is this again? This is a webcomic called Leaf and Thorn, and I'm really enjoying it. It's a queer fantasy romance with a lot of talking and a lot of fun things happening. Sounds very good. It does. I do recommend. Go get your hearts broken. I, I know it's, like, not a meet-cute in the, t- like, romantic sense of it, but I'm just thinking back to, like, um, oh, goodness, I'm using, okay, code names. this is weird, but I, I'm thinking back to, like, when, <laughs> sorry, I can say me and Gareth without laughing, I promise. <laughs> just try your best. Okay, so I, I'm thinking back to, like, when me and Gareth you know, met at university. And there was, like, what, three queer women in that classroom of, like, 20, and we all ended up sitting beside each other. Like, that that was a weird coincidence, I feel like. 
that was a weird coincidence and it was incredibly uncomfortable when uh, as that was the critical reading class we came around to the critical theory of sort of queer theory and we were suddenly the only ones who wanted to talk because I think everyone else was too much like uh, I don't want to say anything in case of being wrong yeah yes I, mean, yeah, I didn't know that's how you guys met <laughs> yeah it was sat down like in the same seminar group together and yeah <laughs> oh so another thing I was wanted to talk about was so the idea of like the push pull me cute where only one party is really interested is there really what is there still like a public desire to see that like in these days like a post me too kind of culture like can you think of any good examples you've seen of this trope like my example in the introduction was the notebook which I'll be honest is a film I completely despised in part because I really disliked that meat cute yeah I don't I've never really been one for it because it can come across as quite creepy it can be kind of quite damaging and if anything oh what's the word it can be quite problematic yeah. and it can bring up sort of issues where as you said with the Me Too movement and stuff and it's like it can make me personally feel quite uncomfortable but not just if a man is doing it to a woman but also if a woman's doing it to a man or if anyone's doing it to each other it just feels a bit like they're not interested they said no why are we now forcing this relationship and why are we making this seem okay (laughs) and then it kind of gets validated at the end like oh yeah it's okay to go chasing this woman or man or whoever because eventually they'll say yes and eventually you'll fall in love because they're wrong like it's fine yeah (laughs) (laughs) which is a bit creepy so I don't like that meet you, and I agree with you. <laughs> yeah. Do you have any thoughts over there, Gareth? You made a groaning sound. I just agree. I'm not sure I have any extra thoughts. Yeah. I think the closest, like, similar example I could think of that is a, a dynamic that worked well was um, a book I read recently, Second First Impressions by Sally Thorne. Um, in which I mean, I the book was decent, and um, so in it, there's like you know, kind of this I don't want to call him a player, but you know, more kind of at first, he appears to be like this archetypical kind of bad boy, and you know, this very well put together woman, and you know. He seems quite interested in her from like the start, but the book's told from her perspective and you can see that she is interested, but she keeps being like, no, you know, I I don't think this is a good idea because I don't think you're going to stick around. And so the book kind of, he needs to prove that he can stick to something kind of happens throughout the book. And I think that kind of works, but I mean... I guess also if you take away her perspective, it it still seems like she's saying no and he's not entirely listening to that, even though she's not saying no, which now I'm saying it out loud. 
also doesn't seem great. So maybe even some of the like better examples of this trope still fall into problematic territory. Yeah, I think it's a very... It is a trope that has probably ran a course that isn't necessarily... And probably maybe shouldn't be used again, or at least if it is used again, be used in a clever way that is... I can't really think of one, but that wouldn't be as problematic. Yeah. Any more points on this before I I move on to another line of discussion, perhaps? I have nothing more to say. (laughs) Okay. (laughs) So, like, in non-romance movies, I feel like sometimes if they want to include a romantic subplot, they will kind of introduce these two characters in, like, a really quick meet-cute. Basically, like, pretty boy, pretty girl, and they're like, (laughs) yeah. This is a romantic relationship that you should root for, for at the end. And I was just wondering if any of you had, like, examples where they've done that and you've just been like, yeah, but why? Like, what work are you putting into setting up these two characters? Like, has there been any that have really rubbed you the wrong way and why? I think that tends to happen in um, action movies, especially when the point isn't really anything to do with romance. And then suddenly they're like, the writer's room is like, oh, oh, wait. We haven't, they haven't been romantically involved with any characters. We need that. And then suddenly, like, they might save a girl in trouble. And then suddenly they're like, oh, you're fit. (laughs) (laughs) I think an absolute great example, which I actually feel like was done really well, was in Kinsman. Have you guys seen that? No, I have not. When towards the end of the movie, Eggsy, the main character, basically goes into this bunker and in the entrance of this bunker is loads of cells and he opens one of the doors and there is this princess that is shut behind it and he can't get in and he was like I'll come back to you later he goes in he says I'll come back after I save the world he then goes and saves the world and when he comes back um the girl has already, like, has quite clearly already found him attractive and is like, oh, right, yeah. And they basically meet in that way and then have a romantic moment at the end of the movie. And then in the second movie, like, from that romantic mo- moment, they have actually started, like, a proper relationship. And it's just really sweet and I really like it. <laughs> yeah, it's quite nice. Oh, there's champagne yeah. and. It's just so nice. <laughs> I quite like that. That I, that feels like a responsible use of the meat cute in a non-romantic movie. Like, yes, we will have the cake and eat it, but <laughs> we're not going to spring the relationship on you until <laughs> yeah, movie so, two, when there's actually been a realistic time period of them getting to know yeah. each other. Yeah, that's why it worked, because it yeah. wasn't like they weren't going, oh, these characters are like in love at that moment. They're like, oh, we just kind of find each other attractive and we've been through this traumatic incident and we kind of just need to let things go. Little <laughs> 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 Steve, we shall say. <laughs> I brought this podcast down a peg. No, <laughs> oh, good, good. Have you seen it, Wayne? No, Gareth. <laughs> <laughs> no, I have not seen it. And I've not seen Speed Racer either, but I'm pretty sure there's a line at the end where the girl and the boy are under, like, the rubble of the collapsed building and they're going to get out and they're obviously about to make out and one of them says to the other something along the lines of, uh... Something along the lines of people who go through an intense physical, uh... 
moment like building collapse on you can mistake it for love and the other person's like yeah cool and they just make out (laughs) (laughs) yeah I think the thing with the sudden love interest trope it tends to be more in TV shows and especially recently when there is this massive change to oh we need to include more the LGBTQIA community um, where you suddenly get these characters who are brought in and they don't always necessarily fit or something this is the worst is when they suddenly change a character's sexuality <laughs> yeah. yeah so they've been straight they've always been straight and now suddenly they're gay <laughs> And it's not even like it's bi. It's just like, oh, they're gay now. And it's yeah. like, why? Uh, I'm all for the slow coming to be aware of your sexuality and, oh, oh, actually, maybe I am interested in this person. Oh, I've not felt that before. But it doesn't make it any less valid. It's just when it's like, you can clearly see that it's done because they want to fit in. <laughs> yeah, I feel like Buffy the Vampire Slayer has that problem massively. Yeah, what sort of time period is Buffy and the Vampire Slayer, right? <laughs> late 90s, 90s, early 2000s. Yeah. yeah. But, I mean, so I obviously watched it after it came out quite a bit. Um, so I watched it when there were, like, some more, like, diverse shows on television, but I think it was one of the, like, earlier like lesbian relationships I saw on TV and like I did like it for that but also I just I just like the way that they were like yes Lily is straight very straight oh no she's very gay all the gay no attraction to men whatsoever and I'm like wait but she literally like she did some things that don't make any sense if she wasn't straight like why steal someone else's boyfriend if you aren't attracted to them that makes no sense but, okay, we then. For the drama, which is an inherently lesbian thing to do, God. Get with the program, Percival. Uh, I'm kidding. This is this is not the gay agenda for any worried straights out there. We are not coming to steal your partners just for the drama. I feel like uh, we've talked about gay a lot in this. <laughs> We really have. We really have. Uh, despite the fact we have got many gay meat cutes, we're like, we're still going to talk about the gays. Yes. <laughs> but I think we should talk about the gays. It's important to talk about the gays. It is important to talk about the gays. <laughs> <laughs> they just can be, I think, for me personally, I can sometimes get a bit, because I don't know where I'm all of this. I think I'm definitely more bi, but it's like, ah, I never really see that in shows. Everyone's either or movies, everyone's either, like, kind of knows where they sit, or at least do by the end. And they're always like, but what if you don't? What if you're just forever going to be questioning what you are? <laughs> well, I guess especially because it's in a story or a film, that kind of struggle is struggle the right word but an exploration of that would be its own story yeah it would take 
quite careful handling to, you know, balance that with a main narrative and not let one overtake the other. So I think actually, again, it's like how we have meat cutes because they're a simplistic shorthand. We have people who know what they are, or we have people who don't know what they are, and that's the main focus because you have you have to choose what you're spending time on, unlike in real life. Yeah, I'm probably gonna cut that because that was too personal. <laughs> yeah. That's also just, that's fine. like a different discussion. I feel like we we've yeah. we've we, we wandered really away. We've gone off topic. Yes. <laughs> Percival, do you want to get us back on topic? Yeah. Okay. Um. Okay. So here's the question. Like, so we're talking about the meat cute, but what? Why is the meat cute like different? Why is it inherently romantic? Like. You you don't see meet cutes that are like oh and these two ended up great friends like it's always a romantic relationship and you you have characters meet other characters all the time in films but like there's this difference between a meet a romantic meet cute and just meeting a character and like what how is that different and why is it different. Mara Jade and Luke Skywalker, it's because one of you deeply wants to kill the other one, but you know your boss wouldn't go for it. And it'll be a whole trilogy, several other people writing, and Timothy Zahn coming back to do more books later before you actually, it's actually officially allowed that you two are going to get together. So. Sorry, what's this? What? <laughs> what? Sorry. This what is, um... book slash show slash movie is this? That is the Star Wars Expanded Universe. Mara Jade eventually becomes Luke Skywalker's wife, but she's uh, around as her own character for the whole of the original Timothy Zahn trilogy. And her main... It's no longer a goal because the Emperor is dead, but he's set a sort of force compulsion that she's got to finish off Luke Skywalker, which she failed to do on an Imperial mission earlier. Um... And it keeps just not being the right time to bump Luke Skywalker off, damn it. Um, and it turns out they make they make a really good team, which I think was why Timothy Zahn, when he was invited to write more books later, was like, sure, if I can get Luke and Mara together. And eventually Lucasfilm were like, you know what, fine. You're crazy. You're crazy. <laughs> that seemed a bit off topic, Gareth. I mean, you get what you get, Percival, but yeah, cut, cut what you need to. The heavy sword of Excalibur <laughs> will come down on the excess... Uh, Master about Star Wars and how much I love Mara Jade. Come on, you like Star Wars? We get really off <laughs> Yeah, I like Star Wars. Uh, who did you think Luke Skywalker was? No, no, no. I knew they were Star Wars. It's just like hit me that you like Star Wars and I never thought you were in a million years. I don't know whether to be offended by that. No, it's not I that don't I don't like know it, whether to be offended. So. I don't know how to feel about that. <laughs> Okay. We got off topic again, Percival. Yes. Did. Okay. What was your original question? Mine was like, um, what's why? the difference between a meet cute and just meeting? Yeah, like, um, yeah. I, I guess a lot of my questions, I feel like we kind of covered. Do you guys have any thoughts or things you want to talk about with meet cute? You've been a bit quiet, Gareth. I mean. 
I've spoken about gay fantasy and I've spoken about straight space couples. Um, I guess I just don't have very much to say to the meat cute. I, I don't know. It seems like a necessary evil, especially in uh, movies. But I think it will either, well, okay, you could say this about everything, but it will either adapt or die out. And I do think you're right in that the push-pull type of meet-cute is probably going to go out of fashion. Yeah, that is kind of, you don't see that meet-cute, though. Or at least I haven't seen that meet-cute that much, though, in, like, modern media. Then it is already going out of fashion. I wouldn't mind seeing some push-push meet-cutes where it's clear that both of them enjoy getting at each other. Yeah, I think that's one of my... I quite like the yeah. the bickering dynamic in rom-coms. Especially where you can see they're both getting some level of enjoyment out of it. Think yeah. Beatrix and Benedict. Yeah, yes. I was about to mention that. Oh my god, David Tennant and... Oh no, Catherine... David Tennant and Catherine Tate... Benedict and Benvolio. No, Benedict, Beatrice and Benedict. Oh my god! <laughs> Are you alright, Kay? <laughs> too much excitement, too much fangirling. Kay has I broken down. love Much Do About Nothing with Benedict and Beatrice. And they're sort of arguing and everything. The fact that they so clearly like each other, yet because they think that the other one dislikes them they're like well I can't be seen to like you because you don't like me and also it's something where they're like other people won't expect us to like each other so we're just gonna have to hide it really badly (laughs) (laughs) and everyone like throughout the entire play is like they're the main love interest I don't care about the other two But like everyone throughout the entire place, like, yeah, we all know that you like each other. Can you just get on with it? <laughs> yes. Yes, we're going to enact Machiavellian schemes to make you get on with it, you absolute chaos pair. Um, Possible is going to have to name the book, because I can't remember it right now, but it was a teen rom-com novel that was a modernised Much Ado. And it was great. Um... But you don't really get a meet cute in that because they already know each other quite well by the time the action starts. And the fact that they can't meet without bickering is really well set up. But actually, they kind of do have a meet cute later in the book where there's a Halloween party and one of them is in disguise and she can't tell it's him. And they have quite a pleasant chat. And then later he throws it in her teeth. And she's like, ah, God. Um, Because she ends the chat by talking about how annoying she thinks that Benedict is. Yes. Oh, my God. And the book is The Only Thing Worse Than Me Is You by Lily Anderson. And it has it's just full of pop culture geek references. And it's great. And I would highly recommend the book. But yes, that definitely doesn't have like the traditional meet cute is like kind of the inciting incident of the story like that the main plot of the story is definitely more about like this this academic scandal that's going on in the school but yeah yeah i was just thinking um i don't i'm not a massive fan of romeo and juliet in any way shape or form but is that a meet cute because they meet at the party i believe 
Yeah, like, I mean, them meeting is, like, there would no be no rest of the play if they didn't meet. So I would say yeah. that that counts as a meet-cute. So maybe Shakespeare did the first ever meet-cute. <laughs> Perhaps. We can blame Shakespeare for all of the baggage that this trope has. <laughs> a lot of his lovers meet. Within the book, within the plays, like they meet within the plays. They're also quite long plays, so he has more time to play about with their relationships. Yeah. Would you so. say Twelfth Night is a meet cute? I might. I might. And the whole the whole joke is that the audience is in on the fact that the meet cute is not what Party A thinks it is. I mean, you could almost say that is a well done push pull meet cute. Yes, because there's also an extremely good reason for the the pulling back. Also, for a premise of for context of this, um, in Twelfth Night, the heroine Viola disguises herself as her brother when she washes up on shore, and she ends up working for this Duke Orsino, and she is quite attracted to him, but he thinks that she's just like a serving boy. Hey. Yeah. Um, and so yeah that's how they meet and then at the end of the play it's revealed that she's a woman and then they get married I never thought that meet cute they feel very much like not modern but like something that's come about Mm -hmm. since movies and TV has come about as sort of a much needed thing in order to fit into a 90 minutes to 2 hours movie well as we've just discussed, they're actually probably been around then a lot longer than we thought because it does appear that they come up within Shakespeare's work, which was obviously hundreds of years ago. But I guess Shakespeare, it doesn't have like the trope of the meet cute, of like the audience knowledge of the meet cute as much. No. So, like, it, it is different. Like, I think the very codified cute quirky meat cute is more modern but i guess it it is like gareth was saying earlier you do really need to have your characters meet in some way yeah yep i mean mean the next avant-garde romance take is you know how to have a romance without your characters meeting at all (laughs) (laughs) i kind of I read that book actually, what? and it's not good. It's not good. They didn't read it for like the last third of the book. It's brutal. <laughs> Did you read? I think were you saying, um, Kay, that you read? What was it? Our stop, I believe. Yes, I read our stop. I did not like it. It, it didn't work. So you need a meet cute earlier on in the book if it's going to have yes. any plot. Yeah, I just felt. I felt like it was an absolute... So for people who don't know, I actually have the book here. So for people who don't know, um, Our Stop is a romance book where the basic concept is is that I think it was the guy that wrote the note in the newspaper. Am I right? I don't remember, to be honest. Basically, one of them right, finds the other one really attractive and writes into like the newspaper columns where you basically... It's for people to say, oh, hey, um, try and get into contact with people that they don't know or put messages out or whatever. And he basically says to the XYZ girl on the train, I think you're rather attractive. We should meet up sometime. 
and they basically have a conversation through the newspaper. But the problem with it is they don't meet up for ages and ages and ages. So you basically have a relation. You basically have a love story with no love story. Yeah. I did finish it, but the only reason I finished it was because I was listening to it on audiobook, and Carrie Hope Fletcher is a very good narrator, and also I knew that there was the surprise lesbians that were going to happen, and I was excited about that, and nothing else. There's lesbians? Yeah, because her friend, she gets jealous that her one friend is hanging out with, like, her other friend. Yes, yes. And then they're lesbians in the end, and I, I saw that coming from, like, very early on, but I still wanted to see it happen. I just love some good surprise yeah. lesbians. Yeah. <laughs> I remember it now. Yeah. Uh, one book that I do think did a really good job of playing with the meet-cute trope is Would Like to Meet by Rachel Winters. Um, have either of you read it? Nope. No. Okay. So the premise of the book is this the protagonist is working as an assistant to a producer and he has this kind of, you know, let, let's say temperamental screenwriter who he's been signed to write this romantic comedy, but he doesn't want to write it. And so she's been tasked with getting him to write this screenplay or else she's going to lose her job because the company is going to go under. And so she makes a deal with him that because he thinks romances are they don't happen in real life it's too cliched so she sets out to try to prove that she can meet someone through a meet cute so she basically engineers this series of meet cutes like kind of purposely accidentally spilling her drink on someone in a coffee shop um is one of them and like all this series of things and they all go very horribly wrong for her you know, she writes them up and along the way in the coffee shop, she meets this little girl and then they become friends. And okay, that, that sounded a bit weird, <laughs> but like she, be, she gets to know this little girl and her dad in the coffee shop. And she's telling them about her, you know, adventures trying to get the screenwriter to write this script. And so how she meets the love interest is not a meet-cute, even though she's, she stages quite a lot of these. And I think it, it's very, like, it's a well-done kind of take on the trope. And it, it does explore how realistic it is. And it, it's quite an enjoyable read. I would recommend it. So but by the fact that she's trying to avoid, and, like, she's obviously trying to make these meet-cutes, but then kind of by the fact that she's ignoring other ways to meet people, does that kind of make it a meet-cute by the fact that it's going against the norm within the story? Perhaps. I know it's a question that you can't necessarily answer, I just feel like it was something that was quite interesting to think about, about how is a meet-cute made because it's something that is abnormal within the story, or is it because it's something that is just cute and sweet that we all enjoy? <laughs> mm, candy floss um, reading. Yeah. I guess it depends on the story. And, yeah. like, oh, I think that the typical meet-cute is very, like, candy floss. But I think there are ways that you can 
kind of change it and explore it. There are some very good meat cutes as well. Like boyfriend with Tira, I think was done quite well. I was really rooting for that relationship, and I think that was a very that was kind of a poor Paul relationship, and the fact that neither of them yeah. felt good enough for each other. And so boyfriend material is basically set around a whole fake relationship that turns into a real one. But it turns into a real relationship quite quickly, but none of them trust it due to the fact that they both have self-esteem issues. And also they don't trust it because it started as a fake relationship. And they're like, well, have I just convinced myself that this is a real relationship? When it's not, <laughs> I, just I really like that book. Pardon? I really like that book. Yeah, okay. it is a good book. It came on my recommended after Red, White, and Royal Blue. <laughs> I, I can see why. Yeah. I was thinking, although I'm not sure they really have a meet cute because, like, blind date. No, but they know each other before then. Do they? Yeah, because they first met as. Because they they've known each other through their mutual friend, and the first time they actually meet is at the party, and the whole misunderstanding starts because someone assumes that because they're two gay people they should be in a relationship together, and then oh, yeah. his name. But one of them is like, no, of course not, and the other one takes that as a very personal rejection. Yes, yes, I'm ruined for now. Sorry, um, as you can probably tell, I'm not the best at understanding what a meet cute is. <laughs> I mean, I feel like that is like a meet cute is very abstract. Like I, I mean, I was reading, and there's like lots of examples of meet cutes, and there are definitions of it, but so many things can be called a meet cute. So it's a, it's a very wide ranging trope. Meaning anything from, like, a very specific set of circumstances happen and they meet to, like, just two romantic interests meeting. So, yeah. I, I don't know. Does anyone understand what a meet cute is, is my point. I think you almost need to, like, make your own definition of a meet cute before you start talking about it to be absolutely certain. But then there's no certainty that your definition of a meet cute will line up with anyone, well, everyone else's apart from, obviously, they have to meet. It has to be cute. And even that's like, yes, but, and, you know. Cute by whose definition? Exactly. Meeting by whose definition? Yeah. And also, can meet cutes be always cute? Like, have you ever seen a meet cute in which you cringe or like, ah, no one meets like this, or is just uncomfortable with it? Yeah, I mean, like I said, the notebook one, has I've seen that on lists of meet cutes online, and that one I just, I just hate it so much. What happens in that one? So basically, um... Yeah, this is the one where you said he ends up faking... Yeah, have you ever seen that scene where um, it's Ryan Gosling and he's hanging off the Ferris wheel saying he's going to drop down if this girl who's currently on the date with another guy on the Ferris wheel, if she doesn't agree to go on a date with him? Oh my god! Restraining order! Restraining order! It is somehow, oh my god, I just, oh, I can't, I can't with that movie. I watched it to write a review on it in first year for school, and I just, oh my god, I hated it so much, so much. But I do not get the appeal of that one. I don't get it. Like, so many people come up to me and go, I love the notebook, the notebook is so good, and I'm like, why? No, I don't. I don't get it. It's just 
he's a horrible person and she chooses him over a very nice guy and that she's also kind of a horrible person like i i quite liked her her fiance he seemed nice and then she was just like nah this guy's been stalking me for like 10 years i think i'm gonna go with him and i'm just like why i can't remember it very well but i remember not liking either of them they're both horrible people Basically, the, the plot is this guy manipulates himself into a date. They go on a date, and then I think she breaks up with her boyfriend, and they have a relationship for a bit. And then her parents are like, no, you're not, I think it's you're not rich enough. There's some reason. Her parents say no. So then he writes letters to her, like, every day for several, several years. He goes to war and he keeps writing these letters, but her mother steals these letters so she never knows, and then he builds a house for her with not talking to her in, like, six years. And then she shows up, and he's like, look, I wrote you letters every day and I built you a house, even though we were together for, like, one month when we were teenagers, and she's like, you know what? Yeah, I'm like really into that. So I'm going to cheat on my fiance with you and then lie to him and not quite break up with him either. And then I, they end up together and then they die at the end as old people. Yikes. It's not a good movie. I do not recommend. I'm sorry if anyone listening loves that movie, but I just, I don't get it. Do either of you have examples of meet cute that you think worked really well or really did not work? I was just thinking about Disney's Enchanted, and at the start in the animated bit, uh, the prince and Giselle have like a meet cute where there's a troll uh, and singing and etc. And then a bit later, when they're in the real world, he's looking for her, and he ends up stabbing a bus, and this bus lady, <laughs> bus driver lady, comes out to scream at him for stabbing her bus in the middle of New York, um, and he runs off screaming and. It's not the point of the movie because the point of that whole scene is, you know, haha, fairy tale man does not understand modern New York City. But that would actually be an amazing meet cute. Between him and the bus driver? Yeah. <laughs> that is absolutely not the story they were telling, but that would be an amazing meet cute if that was the direction they wanted to go in. Instead, they decided to do, to do a boring pair of the spares where the. Because uh, he's actually kind of the side character, the prince. Um, yeah. yeah, they did a pair of the spares instead, but I actually think, you know. So, how did you two meet? He stabbed my bus with a sword and I yelled at him. <laughs> that is actually a great story. And I guess also there's the one in Thor where they run him over with their car. Oh, yes. I don't like the first two Thor movies, but I love Ragnarok. Um, I, I think the main reason why I don't like them is because of the romance relationship, because I just. It, I I just didn't go for it. It wasn't my cup of tea. I prefer Loki and Thor being brothers and that uh, relationship. That sounds like you're trying to say they were trying to shoehorn in a Thor Loki <laughs> romance relationship, which they were not. No, I said I prefer their brotherly relationship, not that I wanted them to get together. It does, but the fact that you did not mention the girl at all makes it sound like they were trying to go for a meet cute with Thor and Loki, and I was not into it, which fair. Um, I liked uh, I liked film one uh, and film three, but it also did not enjoy film two. 
But it was because they decided to go darker and edgier, and it wasn't fun until, like, the final fight scene where there's some teleporting antics and he suddenly ends up on, like, the central line, and that was quite funny. I can't wait until Meat Coots come out, like, years and years and years later about the pandemic. <laughs> I actually saw a book that was recommended to me on Audible that's already out that was about a Meat Cute during the pandemic. Were they fighting over the last toilet rolls last April? <laughs> No, it was apparent. It, the concept is that they live on um, apartments above and below each other, and they talk to each other on their balconies during lockdown. I think it's called like love and lockdown. That's, That's so middle class. That's really cute and middle class. <laughs> it's so cute. Yeah, it, it's on my Audible wish wish list, but I have not I have not read it yet, so I don't know how it is, but. There are already books about lockdown meet-cutes. I just, I currently can't read or watch anything to do with lockdown because it's too recent, it's too... But I know in years and years and years in the future when we can look back at this and go, oh, yeah. That happened all right, didn't it? That happened. And also, like especially if they do it right and they kind of get the drama of it within the while also making it cute and light I think it could work quite well yeah so I'll be quite interested to see how people do that so that'd be quite nice yeah meet cutes are very interesting they are and in my research I I came up with many thoughts that I did not have at the start of the research I will admit I went into like oh yeah this is a fun cute trope and then was like wait maybe it's not because, as you said, it can make people think quite badly about their relationships or how they do a relationship. They may feel like they're not living up to expectations. Yet, it is just a movie, and it doesn't necessarily reflect reflect everyday scenarios. Yeah, I mean, like movies aren't realistic at the no. end of the day, but it still is like can influence how people think too like there there's definitely power in media yeah that's what i was trying to say but you said it very well (laughs) (laughs) you said it well too i just i was just finishing oh as a resident um fairy tale expert gareth do you want to say anything about its its history with bluebeard because i i was quite surprised that that was even a movie really i do think it's very interesting because uh from what I know about Bluebeard, it's the very opposite of a meet cute because he kind of goes around asking everybody who might be suitable to marry him. He's always on the lookout for a new wife. And there's quite a bit of talk that, you know, uh, his wives mysteriously disappeared. But first of all, have you noticed how blue his beard is? I couldn't marry that. Um, and it actually takes the, the, the wife of the story a while to decide maybe his beard isn't so blue and he is so fabulously rich and yeah I will marry him so that's that's pretty much as opposite as a meet cute as you can get hang on so people's problem with him was the fact that he had a blue beard and not the fact that his wife's kept going missing well back in the day you know you wouldn't live till 30 people died all the time and I think there was also an element of no one could actually prove that he had been married six times before because he kept changing neighbourhoods. 
Oh, okay. So it's more like someone new moves into the neighbourhood and is there a couple of years and there's exciting rumours about him and you think probably everyone's a bit bored. Oh, I do have a meet cute that I really like from a classic romance novel. And a classic, that makes it sound like it's... Uh... Anyway, um, <laughs> this is one of the Julia Quinn books. It's not a Bridgerton. It's one of my other favourites. It's What Happens in London. And she basically starts spying on him when he moves back into his house, which is sort of next to hers, her family home. And one of her friends is like, they say he killed his wife. And she's, she thinks that's absolutely ridiculous. And that, you know, people don't get to kill their wives without the whole of London talking about it. But then she realizes that her bedroom looks straight into his office and she does end up spying on him. And as it turns out, he's actually been spending most of his life as a secret agent to the crown. So he very quickly clocks that she's spying on him. He has no idea why. And to make it interesting for her, he starts doing things like burning lots of papers and wearing silly hats. And, you know, just just on the edge of something that someone might do in private, unobserved. Uh, and it goes from there. It's great. That does actually sound quite interesting. It really is great. Um, and I definitely recommend it. And they stole, I, okay, they didn't steal it. It's all property of Julia Quinn. But uh, for any listeners who have uh, been watching Bridgerton and also reading the uh, novels, I do think they've taken some of, some of that story and put it into the, uh, into the, um, the TV series, the, uh, you know, the prince from Prussia is not in Daphne's original book, but it is in um, hers. Olivia. She's Olivia. Damn it. You know, when you're like, this one's one of my favorites. Why can't I remember the names? But then you've yeah. read like 75 yeah. Julia Quinn. So, of course, you can't remember all the names. <laughs> I have got quite the embarrassing um, confession to make. I don't like the first Bridgerton book that much or the second one. <laughs> I think that's absolutely fine. Um, I really do think that they suffer from romance novel tropes, which hopefully might be going a bit more out of fashion. The whole, like, manly man can't hold back and also playing a bit too much with the, I guess, historically accurate uh, analysis that your husband did own you in the Regency period. But sometimes they just play with it a bit too much. And I'm like, I don't like that from 2020. I do not like that at all. Mm. (laughs) Okay, absolutely loved the series. It was absolutely amazing. And I remember talking to you and I was like, I think I'm going to read the books. And you were like, oh yeah, they're really, I like them. And then I read them and I was like, "Uh, yeah, I don't. (laughs) And that's fine and reasonable. And to be honest, I still like them, but I would be more hesitant about recommending them because yeah, there are bits and pieces in them that I'm like, ugh, skip that page. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, yeah I, I read the descriptions and I just, I didn't want to go there, honestly. Like, I think the other problem was I was listening to it on Audible and like, we've oh, no. discussed <laughs> this as a friendship group before, but um, Audible has a problem when you're reading books where you come across pages where you don't necessarily, where you would, if you were just reading it, you would skim through, but with Audible, you have to listen to every mm-hmm. single word so sometimes you get stuck in a bit where you're like no no this is really cringy I don't like it I just want to skip it but you can't skip it and it's like yeah Ugh! or you can skip it but you 
wouldn't have the information you need by just quickly skimming it. Yeah. Like, oh, I have to read it, but I don't want to. I I did find I was listening to a book and I had that problem, and I just turned up the speed and like listened to it on like double time because I was like, no, no, I'm done with this. (laughs) This is this is too much. No. Well, there's a joke in there about finishing early. <laughs> okay, um, skip, skipping over Gareth there. <laughs> I will say, a, a modern, like, um, yeah, modern Regency book that I quite liked was To Have and to Hoax by Martha Waters. Oh, yes, I love that one. I found it because I was looking for a particular copy of I don't even remember which Jane Austen book it was. And they had, you know, in the recommended, you know, readers also purchase this sense, sensibility, pride and prejudice to have and to hoax. And I was just like, I don't know what this book is, but I'm buying a copy now. And she recommended it to me and I read it and it, it's great. And the premise is basically these two are kind of, well, slightly forced into marriage because of the conventions of the time, but they do also quite like each other. But then they kind of grow apart. And so the events of the book are just, they get into this kind of elaborate prank war with each other. And it's its just really funny and sweet at the same time. So that, that was quite a good take on a Regency period romance. Yes, they get into this whole sort of elaborate game of mental chicken. Um, <laughs> and they're already married. And most of their friends are just like, oh my god, but wait you actually like each other why yeah and they're both like quiet i need to do this thing and convince him i have cholera or whatever it was they were oh yes it it it, it sounds better than i'm making it sound <laughs> it, it's, it's kind of again that like much ado about nothing bickering dynamic where you as the reader know that these characters really care for each other but they're just too stubborn to admit it yes I think that is one of my favourite tropes. There's just something about the sort of... Like, they clearly like each other, which means it's not... You're not, like, insides are going, oh, this is wrong, because they both like each other. And then it's like, I just love the sort of... The miscommunication of it all. And it feels more realistic to me than a lot of the other tropes, because this Paul Paul dynamic where they're like, I don't think the other person likes me or like oh I don't like them because I can't like them and that sort of relationship just feels so real to me Mm. I don't know why but it just does and I feel like it could happen not necessarily to the degree that happens in movies and books where you get all of these hilarious instances where people are often like end up going to elaborate lengths to keep the lie that they that they don't like this person. I just love it so much. It's my favourite trait. I think it just creates a really interesting and like engaging dynamic. And I think it, it also gives them good chemistry. Like sometimes yeah. when a, like characters are really into each other, you're just kind of like, yep, cool. And, but there's not like that tension and that chemistry that really can bring a relationship to like shine and be really engaging well that sort of dynamic where they're like saying that they don't like each other 
it's just so witty and there's so much that comes from it that is just develops the characters more than if they both like each other yeah you get to kind of and also why do they feel like they can't like someone like why are they putting this on themselves like why are they kind of self-sabotaging themselves why are they doing this and i feel like if anything those sorts of tropes actually help character development and if a writer wants to dig deep into why characters are acting the way they are while a lot of other meet cutes i feel led them into might mean that writers can fall into a trap where they don't necessarily develop characters backstories Mm -hmm. because they don't necessarily need to in order for the romance to make sense Although there is a trap you can fall into that with, they're just, you know, arguing because of plot conveniences or like yeah, some really stupid like misunderstandings. And that is also just like a kind of lazy shorthand that some writers fall into that it, it doesn't work the same. Even though it it's trying to go for a similar thing, it's, it's very much different. Yeah. And also sometimes it's done on purpose. And yeah. Kind of quite annoying. Or when you're like, this would just be solved by like a five minute conversation that you definitely could have had, but just didn't because the author realized if you did talk for like two seconds, the plot would be over. (laughs) Mm, Which I think is why the meet cutes that continue, wait, no, are they meet cutes? The relationships where when you can see they are clearly getting something they are both enjoying out of what they're doing even if it would be a different something if they would get over themselves and realise that the, you know, I must get under this person's skin is actually an attraction would, you know, also be an advance. Um, it's less irritating. Yeah. It's much less irritating because you can see they are achieving something they want to achieve. And also it's fucking funny when it's done right. I will say that dynamic is why, despite some of its, like, questionable elements i have a real soft spot for the movie how to lose a guy in 10 days because i i just really like their dynamic in it like i think i don't know have either of you seen it no i know about it i'm not sure that i've actually seen it but uh i think she's working for a magazine yeah so basically they both like uh, it, it does pop up a lot on kind of problematic 90 movies which I think is fair because they are kind of both manipulating another person to get what they want out of their careers. Well, that's but not nice. It, it's not. But the fact that they're doing it to each other and like, I don't know, it somehow still works for me, even despite its flaws. Um, but yeah, I don't know. I didn't really have a point with that. Yeah, I think that was a... <laughs> interesting discussion we had both about meet cutes and kind of some of the dynamics that meet cutes can set up. Um, so I hope that you liked our first episode of the story chat, and I hope you come back for our next one for more random antics and sidetracks. Yes, to end the meet cute on a do you come here often? <laughs> <laughs> Please do come here often. <laughs>